0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We are into the first round of basketball's playoffs, and it has been incredibly, incredibly enjoyable. Some series may be all but done, uh, Toronto Raptors, and others are just getting more intense. BetOnline is the place to stop for all of your bets, props, odds, wagers, gambles, plays, and any and everything gambling during the basketball playoffs, use our promo code BLEAV to get a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up using the link in the description to this episode. Bet online, where the game starts. of the Take It Easy podcast, live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in everybody, it is April 25th according to my count, may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever. You may be listening. It is an NBA Monday, and I wanted to break out the old format that we had for the NFL season, where on the Monday following a crazy, crazy Sunday of NFL football, we would just come on here and talk about as many of the games as we possibly can, or big storylines, just have an NFL Monday pod where we could do some serious analysis. And this is the time of year to do that for basketball cuz as much as I bemoan the NBA regular season not having meaning, there has been so much meaning to this year's NBA playoffs. And so I wanted to record 2 hours worth of basketball podcast following what happened on Friday and Saturday and Sunday. That's 11 playoff games that we have to talk about here. And so we're going to talk about All of the series and all of the teams and all of the fascinating intrigue around this first round of the NBA playoffs here on this fine NBA Monday. And we begin with our main story of the day, the one playoff series in the first round that has actual major stakes and storylines relative to who's going to be the champion at the end. We begin with the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets. I stood here for months, and I told you that the Brooklyn Nets were going to be fine. They were one of the five best teams in the NBA, weren't quite a championship contender. Without James Harden, it took away that championship contender tier. As long as they had healthy Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving playing all of the games, they would be good enough to beat... The Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics had a great second half to the season. I said originally the Boston Celtics were like the seventh best team in the east and I corrected myself they were the fifth best team in the east and if you wanted to argue them versus Miami as four I'd very much be willing to hear you out. So Boston jumped a tier by improving their play towards the back end of the season, having one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. I think they finished second in defensive rating this year, but for the whole year, they had one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. Not that second isn't still the best. It just is what stat you're looking at. So Boston, really great defense. Jason Tatum is the one star top 15 player on that team coming into his own at 24 years old, yada, yada, yada. And Boston dismantled Brooklyn. I was wrong. I was wrong about the result. I thought the Nets would win the series, and they are toast. It is over. It is Nets down 3 0 to Boston, and Boston pretty much in control of the series ever since that game one where they had to steal a game at home or felt like they were stealing a game at home. Yeah, the Boston Celtics have pretty much controlled the series against the Brooklyn Nets. And I didn't watch game two. And I watched games one and three pretty much from start to finish in the Boston and Brooklyn series. And the thing that's... So again, I preface that to say I haven't watched game two. So when I am this cataclysmically wrong, I got interested. And I went back and I figured out, well, why was I wrong? Like at its dumbest level, I know the answer to the question. It's pretty obvious just from watching the two games that I watched. In my mind, I think to myself, why was I wrong? Why was I wrong about the Brooklyn Nets? And I figured out the answer relatively quickly and then used the research to confirm that the eye test was indeed correct. Because sometimes conventional wisdom is straightforward, easy to process, and wrong. And so I wanted to make sure that my eyes weren't deceiving me and I was correct. How was I so wrong about the Brooklyn Nets? Because Kevin Durant had the worst playoff series of his entire basketball career. There were people who were saying Boston is a really good team and they play really great defense. Nobody was saying Kevin Durant is going to have the worst playoff series of his entire basketball career. Because if he had told me that at the start of the series, yeah, I'm picking the Celtics in five Kevin Durant's the only goddamn thing that's keeping the Brooklyn Nets afloat. No disrespect to Kyrie Irving. If Kyrie Irving's their best player, they can win a playoff series against select teams like the Chicago Bulls. You can win a playoff series against them with just Kyrie Irving if you take away Kevin Durant... From any team, you go from being a championship contender to a first-round exit. The reason Brooklyn was a championship contender is because they have Kevin Durant on their team, and Kevin Durant is a generational talent who is the second-best basketball player that has ever picked up the ball in my lifetime, and that includes Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant. No disrespect to them. Kevin Durant is amazing at basketball. We've watched him come back from an Achilles injury and put up 49-15-10, with no Kyrie and no James Harden to beat the Bucs and be a foot-length away from going to the NBA Finals and be the best player in basketball from the years 2016 until 2020. Kevin Durant was the best basketball player in the world, and Kevin Durant is still one of the three best basketball players in the world. And he just had the worst playoff series of his entire basketball career to eliminate the Brooklyn Nets. And I wanted to make sure my eyes weren't deceiving me on this, so I went back to the statistics. Kevin Durant has played nearly two full seasons of playoff games. Did you guys know that? Kevin Durant in his basketball career has played 150 basketball games. During the playoffs. Kevin Durant has played. Nearly two full seasons of playoff basketball. During his NBA career. And Kevin Durant. Has played in. I'm trying to figure out the exact number here. But it looks like. Anywhere between 20 and 30 playoff series. In his NBA career. Kevin Durant. Has. Never played so poorly. As he has played against the Boston Celtics in any playoff series of his career. So I started going through different types of statistics. And one of the ones I looked at is field goal percentage. So Kevin Durant in this series against the Boston Celtics has already shot 19 of 52 from the field. That's roughly 37% for people keeping track at home. Roughly 37% from the field. Not from three-point range, just from the field. Kevin Durant has shot under 40%. And so I went back through all of Kevin Durant's playoff series and tried to find a series in which Kevin Durant shot worse than 40% from the field in a playoff series. Last year against Milwaukee, he was incredible, like you know, 50% plus. First round he played Boston last year, amazing, phenomenal, all that stuff. Like Kevin Durant dominates. Okay, 2019, people forget Kevin Durant got hurt in the first round of the playoffs that year uh, against, or I guess it was the second round of the playoffs against Houston that year, Um, and Kevin Durant in that series shot above 40% from the field. He was relatively a net zero for the series, but he was still... Over forty percent from the field, first round of twenty nineteen against the Clippers, over forty percent. Then you go to all those Golden State years, whether it be against San Antonio or New Orleans or Houston or Cleveland or any of the teams that they play. I think they had a Utah mixed in there too during the three year run. You know, he's way ahead of fifty percent or way ahead of forty percent every single. Some of these series actually, he never even has a game where he shoots worse than forty percent. The entire playoff run in two thousand and seventeen. And 2018, no, sorry, until you get to the conference finals in 2018, only the conference finals in 2018 was the only time he had a single game shooting below 38% in the entire time he played for the Warriors. He only had one game shooting below 30, or sorry, he had one series, it was two games. He had two games shooting below 38% his entire time. With the Golden State Warriors. And then we go back to the Oklahoma City days, that Warriors series that we talked about last week. Not a great series for Kevin Durant. Game seven, people forget, because remember they blew the 3 1 lead in the series. People forget in game seven, Kevin Durant played pretty well. And in the game five they lost, he had 40 points, shooting 39% from the field. He shot 53% on 19 shots in that Game 7 that they lose. They just got beat by Golden State at Golden State because Golden State was a better team. Golden State, Golden State, Golden State. I like saying the word over again. Only Game 1 of the Brooklyn series did Kevin Durant take fewer than 19 shots, and 19 was his fewest of the entire 2016 playoffs. Okay, so Kevin Durant shoots 33%, 39%, 33% in three of the seven games in his last series with OKC. Then the series before that 2016 has one game where he shoots 21% from the field, which is, you know, kind of regarded as his worst playoff game still for the series shot over 40% from the field, despite having a game where he shot 21% from the field, Kevin Durant still shot above 40% for the series against Dallas in 2016. Then you go to 2014, never sh- shoots below 40%. 2014, whole playoffs, only has one game shooting below 40, or two games shooting below 40%. Then you find the series that's the closest thing to Kevin Durant having as bad of a series as this, which is the 2013 playoffs against Memphis. And in that series, Kevin Durant starts off the series shooting 50% on 26 shots, 53% on 26 sh- or 21 shots, 47% on 19 shots. Then he shoots when with, with um OKC down 2 games to 1 against Memphis, 37% on 27 shots, but in that game he hit five three-pointers. So if you take away the five three-pointers, he shoots 5 for 20 from the fee- from two-point range, but hits five three-pointers. And in game 5 shoots 23% from the field and is a net negative 4 so the 2013 series against memphis that eliminates okc in the second round and memphis goes on to play the spurs but the next year they avenge the loss to memphis by beating them in the first round and kevin durant has a amazing 36 point double double shooting 48% or 48% from the field and then in the game 7 to close out memphis shooting 33 points, 8 rebounds, 12 for 18, 67%. So even in 2013, comes back to avenge that loss. But okay, 2013 seems to be the worst series of Kevin Durant's career. Even when they lose in the finals to Miami, Kevin Durant shoots over 52% for the series. Over 52% for the entire series. Then you go back to 2012, nothing, 2011, the first round, or sorry, the the conference finals against Dallas is a series of intrigue, but we'll get to that in a second, 2011, no, no series below 40% shooting from the field, one game in the first round, one game in the first round of his first playoff series, other than that, or I guess two games in that first playoff series, but Kevin Durant, since entering the league since 2010 (laughs) has never had a series shooting worse than he has against Brooklyn. The closest one to it is the 2013 conference finals against Memphis, where he shoots from the field close to 38%. Like it's like 39% in the Memphis series, but the last two games specifically shoots about 30% from the field. They get eliminated. Okay. We can point to that as the small sample size, the, Close out games of 2013. So then the next thing I looked at was plus minus, where Kevin Durant's plus minus, how much is he impacting the game in terms of like his team is a net positive or a net negative in some of these games? And by the way, in games that you lose, you're supposed to be a negative, but you can still be a positive and have your team lose. That's entirely possible in some of these series. For example, the Warriors, or I'm sorry, the Milwaukee series. In 2021, Brooklyn versus Milwaukee, the awesome seven-game series we had that year, um, they lose game seven, and Kevin Durant is only a negative four. And by the way, they lose the game by four points because he played every minute of the game. Okay, plus minus, not the greatest statistical number, but has there ever been a series where Kevin Durant has a negative... Plus minus. Because against Boston, he's negative 13, negative 10, negative 2. Okay. And it's not the greatest statistic ever. I'm acknowledging on the front end, it's not the greatest statistic in the world. They have a statistic called game score also on here, which we can use similarly to plus minus. Has there ever been a series that poor for Kevin Durant? So we go back to the Houston one where they almost lose in 2018. So the series that went seven games, the 0 for 27 at the end, Kevin Durant was a positive plus minus in every single game except game two where they got blown out. They lose by 22. Kevin Durant was a minus 28. Every other game in the series, Kevin Durant is a net positive. Even in three-point losses and four-point losses, he's a plus two. So Kevin Durant is a net positive in all of these games. Then we go to... 2018, the rest of the playoffs, plus, plus, plus. uh, And they win most of these games, of course. So, of course, he's going to be in the plus. So, we go all the way back to the OKC ones. All the way back to Oklahoma City. And in all three of the Warriors games where they blow the 3-1 lead, so they lose game five by nine points. Kevin Durant was still only a negative four. Lose by seven He was a negative 6, lose by 8, he was only a negative 4. So even in these games, Kevin Durant is more impactful to the the final score than these other ones. And you can point to this last Brooklyn-Boston series and say, okay, that's kind of the same. Boston, one-point victory in Game 1, Kevin Durant was a negative 13. So Kevin Durant, they were were 12 points worse than the final score suggested when Kevin Durant was on the floor. Game 2, they lose by 7, Kevin Durant was a negative 10. So Kevin Durant relative to the final score was a net negative for the Brooklyn Nets. Then the last game, he goes back to normal trend. They lose by six. He was a negative two. Still in the negatives, but he, you know, contributed more to winning, which is just because he didn't miss as many shots. Like he shot 54% from the field. He just didn't take any shots in game three. He only took 11 shots. So the only reason he's in the plus there. So is there a game where Kevin Durant is worse than the final score suggests, where he's the, the team he's on is doing better without him on the floor? So we go back to 2016. They blow the 3-1 lead. He was still a positive in all of those games, even the ones that they lose. He's a net positive in all their victories against San Antonio. He's a net positive even in their loss against Dallas in 2016, we can go back all the way to 2015, or I'm sorry, 2014 because they missed the playoffs when he was hurt in 2015, so we go to 2014. They lose by 5 in the closeout game to the Spurs. He's a negative 3. He's a net positive in every game except he's a neutral in game 1. So keep going back, 2014, still nothing positive in all of these games, even relative to final scores like they lose two games to Memphis by 1 and 3 points. And Kevin Durant is still plus one and plus one in those games. Then you go back to 2013, that Memphis series. Remember, we talked about the Memphis series before the one where he shot absolutely atrociously in the conference final or in the games four and games five. So in game five, he played every single minute of the game. And in game uh, game four, he played all but like four minutes in the game. So he's a negative 7 and a negative 4. So he played every minute of every game during that series. Which, by the way, he doesn't do very much. He plays a lot of minutes. He doesn't necessarily play every minute of every game in every playoff series. Not even in the NBA Finals did Kevin Durant do that against Miami at, at the very end and Miami all the way through. So in the Memphis series... It's hard to judge it because he plays poorly and he also plays every minute, but he has terrible game scores for both of those games, which game scores are also a statistic they use here at the end. Then we go up to the series I said was of interest earlier, which was the Dallas Mavericks 2011 conference finals, where Durant's a negative four in, or he's a negative seven in game five and he's a negative four to the final score. They lose by 7, he's a negative 6. Then he's a positive, and they lose by 9, and he's a negative 1. Even in their one victory, by the way, Kevin Durant had a negative 2 rating because he shot plus minus, negative 2 plus minus, because he shot 0 for 5 from the field in that game. All of this to say is like just way too much statistical evidence to point to the fact that Kevin Durant just had the worst playoff series he's had arguably in his entire career. The only games that can compare close to it are 2011, his second playoff run with OKC, where they were just lucky to get by Memphis in the first or in the second round. They were lucky to get through Memphis and their uh, Cinderella team. Kevin Durant's 21 years old against the Dallas Mavericks. And 2013, which was the biggest of the disappointments during the Kevin Durant run. But also remember that. At the beginning of that Memphis series, Russell Westbrook gets hurt in 2013. So Kevin Durant's asked to do all of the offensive carrying for the OKC Thunder. This is Westbrook getting hurt. This is James Harden's been traded in the last eight months. And Kevin Durant plays really, really poorly. 23 years old plays really, really poorly in that series on the last two games when they're already kind of in trouble. Cause Russell Westbrook's out now he shoots really bad um, Memphis. This is the grit and grind Memphis team that the Warriors haven't exposed yet. It's been since then that Kevin Durant has played this poorly. And of course, if Kevin Durant was going to play this poorly, of course the Brooklyn Nets were going to lose this series I just don't hear anyone telling me that that was going to be the case. And this is not to be defensive at all. Like I admit I'm wrong in the result. The re- the rationale I had for Brooklyn was Kevin Durant is the great equalizer. And Kevin Durant coming off of again the last time he was in the playoffs, he put up 49-15 and t- or sorry, 49-17 and 10. In order to beat them in a game 5. And then put up 48, 8, and 9. Or sorry, 48, 9, and 6. In the game 7. And he was a foot on the line away from winning an NBA championship with the Brooklyn Nets. And James Harden and Kyrie Irving. Well, James Harden playing hurt and Kyrie Irving unable to play at all. What's shocking is Brooklyn was, I mean, apart from Joe Harris, entirely healthy. And Kevin Durant's just playing really, really poorly. And I don't see anyone who was saying that was going to be the case. The rationales for picking the Celtics were always their defense will overcome guarding everyone else, or their defense will be able to stop either Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant. I wasn't hearing Kevin Durant is going to have the worst playoff series of his entire basketball career. And I saw people were going to the torn Achilles explanation for it. I'm like, but we've seen Kevin Durant dominate post-torn Achilles. I'm fascinated by the fact that Kevin Durant is in this incredible, incredible place where he is expected to be great and I expected him to be great. And like the most improbable situation has just unfolded. It's so improbable that Kevin Durant was able to 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 was going to play the worst playoff series in 10 years. New sponsor alert. It's the good people over at creditkarma.com. Sponsoring the Take It Easy podcast, Credit Karma can help you look for a low-interest personal loan that could help you save money while you pay off a purchase or pay down old credit card debt. Credit Karma compares loan offers for free, and it will not affect your credit score to use CreditKarma.com. If you're ready to apply, you can use the link in the description to this episode Or head to creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to see your personalized offers. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to find the loan for you. Creditkarma.com slash loanoffers. Credit Karma. Apply with more confidence today. We've talked about Kevin Durant's psychology so much before on the podcast. And I'm so fascinated how much of this is Kevin Durant's brain is a little bit fried because it was even before we talk about the the Boston defense and give them all the credit in the world, because that's what people want to do in this situation is talk about the gritty Boston defense and how they've uh, controlled Kevin Durant. It's really interesting because it's a whole bunch of different reasons that lead to Kevin Durant can have subpar numbers. How is it Kevin Durant can't have the worst playoff series of his career just because of defense Fully acknowledging that this is the best defense Kevin Durant has played since the 2016 Warriors, which is when they went up 3-1 and lost. But Ke- again, we pointed out in the stats, Kevin Durant still had 40 points, shooting 38, 39% from the field in Game 5, and he shot 52% from the field while scoring 27 points in the Game 7 that they just got beat by a better Golden State team. And in the Clay Thompson Blowout game, Kevin Durant shot 33% from the field. So that's the one that we point to and say Clay Thompson hit 10 three pointers and Kevin Durant shot really poorly from the field. There, i.e., Kevin Durant is, you know, that's the one game Kevin Durant choked or Kevin Durant didn't play well. That's the one that we remember because it's one of the great basketball games ever played. And that's something that just sucks for Kevin Durant, that that was the thing that was attached to him and amplified when he ended up deciding to join the Warriors. That one game got amplified to an insane magnitude, even over Game 7, just because there was no drama in Game 7. It was just the Warriors were going back home. They're a better team than OKC. It was shocking that OKC was even up 3-1 in the first place. Yeah, all that stuff. And so it's really interesting that this is the worst playoff series Kevin Durant has ever played and it's incredibly improbable that that happened and it's easy to explain how brooklyn falters in this way it's the exact opposite way that everyone was saying brooklyn would falter i, I like i haven't seen the people who were saying that kevin durant was going to have the worst playoff series of his career I, I mean people that weren't even saying kevin durant was going to have a bad series it was Well, you can't win with only Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. It wasn't, like, diminishing the greatness of Kevin Durant. It was they've built a really poor roster everywhere else and, oh, where's Ben Simmons? It wasn't Kevin Durant is going to play this poorly to where the point, like, yeah, Brooklyn's going to lose in the first round if Kevin Durant plays that poorly. They would have lost to, like, Miami or they would have lost to any of these teams if they... Play This poorly they lose to the Sixers in the first round like it's incredible how Brooklyn was so Kevin Durant contingent and Kevin Durant just isn't playing at a high level and that's really really interesting because again it's literally never happened and this again I'm not defending the decision making here it's incredibly improbable and I'm so fascinated by it. I'm so fascinated by Kevin Durant in general and it's fascinating that he played so poorly. I know this detracts from Boston but Boston you'll have more of a chance down the road to to accept this and take my uh, to heed my prayers. I know we'll talk to Morgan and all of these people at some point here but Boston it's a really interesting team because their defense is part of the explanation of Kevin Durant. Great defense is not going to take Kevin Durant from all time great to can't like worst series of his career. Like, Milwaukee had a really good defense last year, and Kevin Durant torched that really good defense for multiple games of the series. It's so fascinating that every single game of the series he has played subpar, and it seems to have only gotten worse. Like, technically, game two was worse than game three, but it's technically. Looks like, I mean, because game three was just over the whole way through. It's just been so fascinating to watch that part of it because it feels like every game just keeps getting a little bit worse. And it's kind of shocking how that ended up going, right? Because none of us thought it was going to happen. None of us thought that, we thought the Celtics were going to win and people get to be right for the wrong reasons. I'm shocked that Kevin Durant played the worst series he's ever had in his playoff life and i know he's getting crushed on the internet and i'm more of the appreciating greatness part i'm just stunned by it i'm not even the kevin durant's a choker or he's passed his prime guy like i've seen it really recently be amazing for kevin durant i'm amazed that it happened and it it happened like so quickly that it was just like the reason they lost was not all the reasons everyone thought they would lose. It wasn't the Celtics defense. It wasn't the, I mean, it was partially the Celtics defense, but it wasn't the Celtics defense. It wasn't the lack of bench depth. It was Kevin Durant played really poorly, which never has happened before. Never. So, of course, that's why I'm saying it's so improbable and I'm stunned that it happened because this is Kevin Durant. Like, he's the unflappable guy who never has these situations come up. He's never been fully healthy with a team that, like, other than Joe Ingles, is relatively fully healthy and just playing poorly. It, it's really surprising. It's really improbable. And that's the best I can say about this situation is point out, why was, why was I wrong? Oh, I wasn't ready for Kevin Durant to have literally the worst playoff series of his entire basketball career. Simply nobody said it. Nobody was there for that. People said he might play subpar. And that's totally fair. Boston is the best defense he's played in six years. Nobody had it. They're going to be this bad. And maybe that would have been semantics in the final outcome of the series to get like, not, I mean, they might get swept. There's still a game to go. But the idea that they might get swept in this situation is just incredible. Incredible. Even the most strident of Celtics fans were saying Celtics in six, Celtics in seven. It's incredible that Kevin Durant has played so poorly. Because it's not, it's not like, oh, Kevin Durant, how could you be a choker? Incredible that it's never happened before. That we've made it 13 years into Kevin Durant's essentially basketball career, if you want to go back to his first playoff appearance in 2010. Like 13 to 14 years into Kevin Durant's basketball career, and he's gone through losses, and his reputation was always that he's the guy who comes up short. And Kevin Durant's never played this poorly. In how has it never happened in 14 years, where the closest thing we can find is two games against Memphis after Russell Westbrook gets hurt, and a miraculous conference finals run against the eventual champion Dallas Mavericks when he was 21 years old, and they just pulled off an amazing upset of Memphis right before that it's It's incredible that it never happened like it, it's incredible it didn't happen before the now. That Kevin Durant plays poorly in a series to the point where we're like, well, it's never going to happen. Why? We've never seen it before. We've never seen him play poorly. We've seen him play lower than Kevin Durant's standards, but again, in his entire time with the Warriors, he had two games where he shot below 40% from the field. He's the one unguardable, unflappable basketball player for five years in the sport. And maybe he's not that anymore. Okay, Giannis is better than him. Okay, Joel Embiid might be better than him. Okay, Jokic might be better than him. He's still like no further than third, which still makes him a superstar caliber player. Maybe this is how the aging process works on Kevin Durant, similar to how it's worked on LeBron James. It's still unbelievable to think that it would happen that quickly for someone who's literally never played that poorly in his career. And also Kevin Durant again, he's played 15 years now plus two full extra seasons in the playoffs. And he did he was injured earlier in the season even if he's healthy now. It it's kind of incredible. It's kind of incredible that that's happened. I, nobody had that. <laughs> I'm ju- I'm still just amazed by that part of it. That Kevin Durant's going to play worse than he's ever played in his career. And the fact, again, it's literally never happened before. I'm just amazed. I'm amazed that that's how this ended up going down. And Brooklyn's going to lose the series. And I, I'm i right there with you if you told me that this is how Kevin Durant was going to play. like I'm just amazed that it happened. I, like I said, shocked is the best way I can describe it but I've found a way to make 35 minutes of content out of being shocked and reading stats off of pro basketball reference. So there are three other series that I wanted to cover here on this NBA Monday podcast. One of them is the Jazz and the Mavericks, and I'm going to wait until Tuesday to talk about that series, because that series... Doesn't technically have a championship-destined team in it. It's still been really, really fascinating so far. And we kind of did the eulogy of the Dallas Mavericks last week. And now that the Dallas Mavericks are this far into the playoffs, maybe we do a mini eulogy of the Utah Jazz. But the Jazz are still probably going to win that series. Anyways, Game 5 is tonight. I want to watch that game. I want to cover that game. And then I want to talk about it on Tuesday. So we'll put Utah... And Dallas to the side, although a whole bunch of interesting stuff happened with that series. The other one is Phoenix and New Orleans. Now we're recording this on Sunday night. I need to do my meditation and go to sleep, get set for the week. And currently, as we record, the Suns and Pelicans are 51 to 49 at the half, currently DeAndre Ayton has 14 points. Without Devin Booker, he's become an increasing, increasingly large part of their offense. I still want to ask people the question of whether or not you would rather have Rudy Gobert or DeAndre Ayton. If you could make the trade tomorrow as both parties, would you make the trade? It's just throwing it out there as a possibility. Utah could flip three, four years of Rudy Gobert into three, four years plus of DeAndre Ayton. I think they should make the trade right now. It would be beneficial for both sides. And the New Orleans Pelicans have currently gotten 14 from Brandon Ingram, 11 from CJ McCollum, and 11 from Jonas Valanciunas. They're three best players by far. Along with the 0-for-1 shooting night of Herb Jones, they have uh, a total of seven points of non-CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, and Jonas Valanciunas. Very fun. So, anyways, the big three for New Orleans, trying to keep them in it. The series might go six, seven games because Devin Booker is hurt. Most of it is semantics. The Suns can still beat New Orleans, even without Devin Booker. We just don't know the final score yet. We don't know if the Suns are up 3-1 in the series or not. The one I do want to talk about is our beloved Timber Pups. Because if you tuned in on Friday, you got me being sad at the fact that the Minnesota Timber Pups blew a 26-point lead against the Memphis Grizzlies in less than 12 minutes. And they got outscored to finish the basketball game 60-25. to 25. While the Minnesota Timber Pups responded with one of Carl Towns' best basketball games of his career which is rare carl towns is going like between both spectrums of single digit scoring games and fouling out to 34 30 points a game in their victories it's a really weird spectrum that carl towns is finding himself in right now as you know the second it's weird because carl towns is statistically in every single way the best player on the minnesota timberwolves and yet anthony edwards is their number one and Carl Towns is their number two. And I can't really think of another situation like this in the NBA. It's a really interesting, fascinating predicament that Minnesota finds themselves in between Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. And as this goes along and as we talk about Minnesota more, that dynamic is going to be fascinating to watch as they develop over the next couple of years. And who knows if Carl Towns decides to stay in Minnesota long term. Like maybe he derails the whole thing by deciding to leave Minnesota when his contract comes up Or gets close to his contract coming up, because Minnesota, you know, Carl Towns, it wouldn't surprise me a second if Carl Towns was the one willing to make it ugly to get out of Minnesota, and then they'd have to trade him for pennies on the dollar and try and build around the Ant-Man, but they can't really build around the Ant-Man because they get pennies on the dollar for Carl Towns. It's all a very difficult situation that they find themselves in, in order to be competitive. Carl Towns is two years, yeah, two years away from free agency, so... Maybe he takes that Supermax and they can build him and the Ant-Man there in Minnesota. Who knows? Maybe it'll work out that way. It's just an interesting dynamic they have right now. Because statistically, Carl Anthony Towns is better in every metric. And yet, Anthony Edwards is their number one option. I guess because Edwards is more efficient, but it's not like Carl Towns is inefficient. Maybe it's just Anthony Edwards is young right now and we're getting used to having him and Carl Anthony Towns is the dynamic with... D'Angelo Russell is the true number three even though D'Angelo Russell played like shit in the game on Saturday and by the way it took 33-14 from Towns Anthony Edwards 24 points on 50% shooting like it took every bit of that to beat Minnesota which is surprising because I said the series would go to 3-1 and Minnesota probably could have should have would have won that game. If Ja Morant doesn't shoot four for 13 from the field, like coulda, shoulda, woulda win that basketball game, even with all the stats from Carl Towns and Anthony Edwards. It's really interesting because now that one's a best of three series, which is not where I thought it would be. I thought Minnesota would be down 3-1. They'd have to charge back from 3-1, maybe pull the upset, maybe don't, but... Minnesota, interesting place they find themselves in. One other thing I wanted to pass along before we leave here, but we don't really leave because there's also a Memes of the Weekend podcast for all of you to check out. One of the things that I find interesting is that Minnesota has never sent people home since Kevin Garnett's MVP season, which plays into the massive celebration that they had that I loved so much as... The losers of the sport. If your team has literally... We talked about this with the Bulls on the memes of the weekend pod. If your team is literally a loser, which is the equivalent of a small market team. We just call them small market instead of losers. Because in the NBA, everyone has the same dollar values. In a salary cap sport, everyone can pay the same amount for all the players. So if you are a small market team, quote unquote, which is just to say if you're a loser like Minnesota or like Chicago or like Charlotte, or Sacramento. If you're a loser, then you take the victories you can get. And I hadn't realized that the only time Minnesota had ever sent someone home in the playoffs was Kevin Garnett's MVP season, and when Latrell Sprewell had to feed his family. Which is a great quote for people who don't know about this, when he leaves to go to Golden State and talking about how he needed that money to feed his family which was, I believe, like a $33 million contract. It was a really great, great joke about Latrell's free will upgrading his contract that everyone made fun of back then when, I mean, we still make fun of it now, but we, we do it, we recognize now that at least a little bit more that it's a business. Like if Debo Samuel is having a contract dispute We're not saying, oh, you're getting paid to play a game. We aren't really making that argument anymore, the pro management argument that way. People are a little bit smarter about value and things like that, but still don't recognize that these millionaires and multimillionaires are actually labor. They don't own capital in the sports leagues that they play. But anyways, point still stands. I think we've gotten better about that. And uh, Minnesota got to send someone home, and it's interesting how that works because no one ever gets sent home in these series. And we talked about the Minnesota podcast, which I encourage you to check out, not just the oral history of the Minnesota Timberwolves we did last Saturday after the Timberwolves won their first playoff game against Memphis, but also the one we did after the play-in from two weeks ago. I think both of those are really, really fun podcasts. So check those out if you want the full Minnesota stuff, breakdown of the game. I guess their next game is Tuesday, so eventually we'll get around to that series. It's interesting how Memphis has the one star, and Desmond Bain and and Dylan Brooks, by the way, scored like 58 points between the two of them in that game against Minnesota, and it was actually John Morant who ended up coming up short, and just uh, Jaron Jackson, who only had seven points in the game. It was uh, not a great run for Memphis, but Memphis does have the other stars who can help build off Ja Morant. And that'll be the reason that they win the series against Minnesota, I still think. Possibly in six, possibly in seven. They're just a better team than Minnesota because they arguably have three top 60 players the same way Minnesota arguably has three top 60 players. The thing is, John Morant's a top 15 player. Carl Towns and Ant-Man, as great as they are, are tier three, tier four stars at this point. I don't think the Ant-Man made the all-star team this year. Although, you know, if Carl Towns made the all-star team, it would have been statistically better than Anthony Edwards. But I don't think the Ant-Man made the all-star team this year. Would have been cool if he did, though, because the Ant-Man's younger than me. Similar to how LaMelo Ball's younger than me. Yeah, Anthony Edwards didn't make the all-star this year. He'll make the all-star every year for the next five years, but he hasn't made the all-star quite yet. Which, again, plays into why I think we're still adjusting to the whole Anthony Edwards being the number one, even though Carl Towns still is larger numbers than him. We're still getting used to that because it's a weird dynamic of a 20-year-old taking the reins from a team who, you know, the guy's already an established all-star. And Carl Towns is kind of cool sliding to the number two rank. It's kind of interesting how that dynamic works. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast We have episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, sometimes wired up on Sundays. This would have been a good opportunity for a wired up. It felt better to just do an NBA Monday once it was all said and done than trying to do a wired up. We appreciate you stopping in however and whenever you may be listening. Thanks for your continued support. And as always, take it easy. We'll talk to you again. Tomorrow.